This is FS Uncovered, a podcast of M&M Service Company, serving our customers' needs by providing excellent services, products, and innovative solutions. I'm Krista Marquez, Marketing Assistant for M&M Service Company. Today I have with me Tony Haber, our Energy Marketing Manager, and Kurt Donovan, Manager of Energy Services for Growmark. Kurt, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, how you started in the Growmark system, and your path to your role today. Yeah, so um, my background in in ag, um, I really don't have much of a background in ag. I um, did not grow up on a farm, but I did grow up in a small town in Constantine, Michigan. It's in the Lower Peninsula, Michigan. Um, which is a big farming community, a lot of corn, a lot of tomatoes. Um, and while I did not farm, I did spend a fair amount of my uh, youth summers detasseling corn, um, which was always uh, very hard work, but, but a lot of fun to, to be around everybody and be outside. Um, as far as how I started in the Growmark system, um, really one of the Growmark recruiters reached out to me and contacted me uh, from looking at my background on LinkedIn and asked me to apply for the position that I have today uh, because she thought it would be a good fit. Um, where that kind of comes from, the, the path to my role is uh, I do have a background in chemistry and mathematics and um, when I got out of college, I started my career working in a lab of a metalworking fluid supplier. So I did QC and product development of metalworking fluids, taking additives, putting them together, making a metalworking fluid product. Um, a little bit of lubricants, but uh, not a lot at that point. After a while, I moved over to the supply side of that, of supplying uh, additives, a company that supplied additives to companies that make the end products and worked uh, in that position as um, started in the lab and then eventually transitioned out into technical sales, working with the chemists at companies like the one that I used to work at, lubricant companies, metalworking fluid companies, and managing about an eight-state area. I had some distributors and salespeople underneath me as, as well. And we dealt with all sorts of industries, uh, you know, paint, coatings, industrial cleaners, lubricants, everything. Um, didn't really touch fuels until um, coming to the Growmark system, but uh, you know the chemistry is pretty much the same. Uh, we're all trying to do the same stuff, so um, that's kind of what led me down the road to to where I am today. Okay, so today we want to talk about fuel additives and treatments. Kurt, why is it important for consumers to use winter additives for their diesel fuel, and when is it important to begin that? So really kind of two questions. We'll take the first part about why it's important for the, the winter additives. All diesel fuels contain water and wax in them. So uh, we have to control that water and wax when it comes to the winter. The first thing that's going to happen is water freezes at 32 degrees. If we don't have something in there to keep that water from freezing, it will ice up. It'll freeze in lines. It'll bug filters. So the first part of that additive has a de-icer in it that is going to suppress that freezing temperature down to like negative 20 degrees. So that keeps any water that might be in the fuel from condensation, from just production throughout the system, and keeps it from freezing uh, in the fuel and causing problems. The second part of that is the wax. The 
Uh, wax content in fuel, all fuel contains wax. Even number one contains some wax. It's just how much wax it contains. Summer diesel fuel contains more wax than winter diesel fuel, but winter diesel fuel still contains an amount of wax. And that wax is the, are those uh, long hydrocarbon chains of the fuel, and they will come out of solution and drop to the bottom, and that's what causes the fuel to gel or to plug filters. So the additive has in it something that is going to keep that wax, when it comes out of solution, small and pass through filters, small enough to pass through filters and not plug filters, and small enough to not cause the wax to, or the fuel to gel. Eventually that will happen. We can't make it last forever and keep it small forever, but the chemistry does keep it small for a longer period of time to get down into colder weather. Once that wax passes through a filter and gets into the engine, the heat from the engine will warm it up, reliquify it, and then we get our BTU value out of it, and it burns very much just like regular fuel, because it is regular fuel. When to have it in there uh, to begin, it's important to begin before it gets really cold, because the wax, when it comes out of solution, that additive needs to be in there when the wax comes out. Once it's already out, the additive can keep it from getting bigger at that point, but it's already started to uh, come together with other wax crystals and become bigger. So we need it in there at the very beginning before that fuel gets too cold. And by too cold, I mean the cloud points of the fuel. Sorry, I think uh, my dog just freaked out. <laughs> mentioned cloud point uh, in, in the fuel. Can you expand on that a little bit more on, on what that is? Yeah, so the, the cloud point to the fuel is the part where the, you can visibly see the wax starting to haze the fuel. As it comes out of solution, it comes out before you can actually see it. And then the cloud point is that measure mm -hmm. of with your naked eye, you can see enough, the wax crystals are large enough that you can see that they're out of solution or there's enough of them out that you can visibly see it with your eye. What we want to have happen is that additive being in there about 10 to 15 degrees above the cloud point so that the additive can attach to the wax and keep it small um, as it's coming out. By the time it clouds, we're already to a larger piece of wax and those larger pieces of wax are more probable of blocking a filter. Um, typical cloud point for fuel in the winter is about 10 degrees Fahrenheit plus or minus. It depends on the fuel supply in the terminal, um, and it does vary throughout the window because or winter because our uh, fuel supply in the United States is a fungible fuel supply, so things get kind of mixed together. So is it important for consumers to know what kind of additives are in their fuel? And then can this develop issues by con combining different types? Yeah, I, when we start talking about chemicals and, and fuel additives, um, there can be interactions between different products. We haven't found too many that there's a lot of interactions. What we find more often is the thought of um, 
more is better. If I can add a little bit and get some good performance, I should be able to add more. And that's not always the case, and especially in chemicals. Uh, more is not always better. We, we need enough of that additive in, care, in there to combine with the wax and modify the wax and keep it small. Once we have enough of that in there to do that, adding more doesn't make it smaller or doesn't make it more efficient. Adding more just adds some extra cost at the beginning. And then as more and more is added, we can actually see it go the opposite way of the chemicals interacting with each other and instead of attaching to the wax, and it actually having a negative impact on the wax side that, and allowing the fuel to gel faster like it, it's not even treated anymore. Uh, so adding more and more can actually cause some harmful effects. So if you're getting fuel that is already additized for winter with an additive, a lot goes into deciding how much to put in there, how much additive to put into that fuel. There's whole labs that that's all they do is testing for that to get that optimum level. And if it's being supplied to you by your supplier, your supplier's probably got it in there at that optimum level for that. So taking another jug and adding some stuff on top is just going to kind of throw off that balance and could actually cause more problems than, than help. So then, Kurt, is there a is there a cross-the-board fix-everything product out there, or as a consumer, is it just basically know your environment and, you know, be precautious, know when it's going to get cold, know when it is cold? I mean, it just is just about being precautious, uh, or is there something out there that you can point to and say, this is a surefire thing. Yeah, I wish we did have something that was a surefire thing, and we're always looking for that. Uh, it's very important, though, to know your environment, know your tank, um, the history of what your tank has done in the past winters, and then watch that weather. I, um, the fuel is what we get. Um, like I said, it's a fungible system through our pipeline system, and the fuel that we get is the fuel that we get. Um, this, the winter additives are designed um, to try to give that best possible performance of that fuel and lower that uh, winter behavior of that fuel, the tendency of it to gel or uh, to plug a filter as much as we possibly can. Um, the hardest part that we have in the lab when we look at continuous improvement on these products or developing new products is it's really hard to replicate Mother Nature in a lab setting. It's really hard, especially here in the Midwest, when we have those swings of 50 degrees in a day, uh, to replicate that in a lab and, you know, the cold winds and, and everything that happens. Um, and then also replicate the condition of that tank. Every tank has a different environment, a different ecosystem in it as far as the amount of water, the amount of contaminants, the different things, and all of that stuff plays a part in what happens with that. Um, so I feel like every winter we are running multiple experiments out there and, and all the tanks that uh, we service throughout the FS system, we're always learning new things and um, every year we're looking uh, in the lab for new ways to make our winter additives better and help provide a better performing fuel out there uh, in the in the market.
Okay, thank you. That was great information. One last question uh, for you, Kurt. What advice would you give someone new or that's trying to establish a career in your field or in this field with the chemicals and fuels and additives? Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing is the, the understanding of chemistry and um, kind of the ability to read a lot of technical papers without falling asleep. I have a hard time with that myself. <laughs> um, but uh, that's where a lot of the information comes from. We're always looking at not only what we're doing in our labs with our suppliers, but what uh, the OEMs, the engine manufacturers are doing, a lot of the testing that's run out there. And we're interpreting that information or taking that information and putting that into what we need to have for our products that are the best performing products for, for our customers. Um, our industry is a little bit different from when I talk about our industry. I'm talking about the FS system and the folks that store fuel uh, on their own on site. Um, a lot of the fuels industry looks at um, from terminal to retail station, uh, we take more into account the fuel that's stored above ground in above ground tanks uh, for longer periods of time, not turning every day type of a situation. And what we need to have in that fuel to get it the best performing fuel for your equipment. And we take a lot of information from OEMs as far as what they look at for the best fuel to run their pieces of equipment as well. And that all goes into part of it, uh, too, when we design these additives, whether it be winter additives, summer additives, gasoline additives, everything that we do all the way through, uh, and how we make our fuel the best fuel that we have out there for our customers. For anybody wanting to be in this field, it's wanting to understand or having that thirst of, of knowledge, wanting to, to follow these things and, and really be interested in it because you, you spend a lot of time reading that stuff or working with these these people on that stuff. So um, if you find that boring, it's it's not going to be a good field for you. Kurt, before we let you get out of here, I do have to ask you one last thing. And this, this question, I think you have an interesting response from you would be having uh, grown up in the Mitten State, having a lot harsher winter than what we have here in Southern Illinois, but give me your overrated, underrated things about winter to you. Wow. Let me think about that one for a second time. <laughs> <laughs> overrated, underrated things about, as far as products go or? Just in general. Yeah. Um, overrated, underrated things about winter. Um, so, <laughs> I love all seasons, so... You know, there's a lot of really good things about winter that I like from uh, the standpoint of cross-country skiing, you know, just being um, outside in, in the cold and, and all bundled up. Um, I, I do very well with that. So, you know, I've always liked that. The underrated part about it is the myriad of outdoor activities that you can do that I think a lot of people don't try or, or give a chance to. The overrated part about it is, um, you know, I know my, my wife loves winter because she loves how beautiful it is, but, you know, growing up in lower Michigan, you know, I, there's a lot of mud and mush <laughs> and, and stuff that I, that I don't really like so much. So, you know, uh, yeah, that's a hard one. 
Well, that's good. That's good. Forget about like the skiing yeah, and all that to do. Like, yeah, maybe in winter. Maybe the best thing this year is being a a, a Michigan fan in in the last couple of years. Our our football team not doing so well. I I look forward to winter brings basketball season. So we're a basketball. <laughs> there, there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, Kurt, thank you very much for joining us today. This has been FS Uncovered, the podcast of M&M Service Company. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Podbean or your supported podcast app.